Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fan. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fan. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. Christ alone, the cornerstone of salvation and life that's found only in him. Tonight we have a a wonderful opportunity to listen to what uh, God has done in some lives, and we're going to do that here in just a moment. Uh, But before we do that, what I want to ask you to do is grab your phone for me, all right? Will you do that? And uh, I'm going to just stare at you as you stare at me. And um, if you'll grab your phone, just, just, I know you already think you cut the sound off, um, but never fails. Uh, And so if you would, on the side of your phone, wherever it is, would you turn the volume off on your phone so that we don't hear ducks quacking and alarm bells ringing and tugboat horns honking. And so if you'll take just a minute, turn that off for me. And then also, I want to ask you to do something else. I want to ask you to be a missionary from your chair tonight. I believe the Word of God says in the book of Revelation that they overcame the serpent, speaking of that great dragon, the adversary of our souls, by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. And so tonight, we want to get that message out. We want others to hear. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of hope shared tonight. And so if you'll take just a minute and go on social media and pray a simple prayer, something like this, Lord, would you please put this in front of who you want to see it? And then simply share. And you'll be surprised. Your friend will share it. Somebody else will share it. And you'll reach somebody oftentimes that you don't even know. And so please do that for us. One more thing. If you're our guest tonight, if you look on the back of the chairs in front of you, about every other one will have a QR code. And I want to just invite you to take a moment, scan that, and give us a little more uh, information that we can minister to you in a better way. Uh, that's what the church is here for. And so I hope that you'll take a minute and do that. And so here in just a moment, my dear brother, uh, a man that I've gotten to know and love over these last years, we've had some intense prayer times together, and I have watched the Lord over these years do a work of grace uh, in such a magnificent way. He was supposed to share his testimony at our men's conference, and the Lord had other plans and arranged that so that Chad, who is uh, serving with our kids at kids camp, was able to share his, and God's timing's always perfect. He'll, you know what he'll do sometimes? He'll change your schedule and swap names out on you. And, uh, and he does that in a magnificent way because he's God. And so tonight, uh, my brother Quentin is going to come. Quentin Lovins is going to come, and he's going to share the story of God's redeeming love and grace in his life and the life of his family. So as he makes his way, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise as he makes his way up? Is this working? Okay, so official. My name is Quentin Lovins. Um, my wife is Ashley Lovins over there. Raise your hand. <laughs> She's beautiful, y'all. Um, like Terry said, uh, I was supposed to share. Well, a couple years ago, Terry called me and uh, he, uh, <laughs> he, he said, Quentin, think about, it was a Tuesday night. He said, think about giving your testimony tomorrow night. <laughs> And I looked over at Ashley and I told her and her face was just like, no, it was, it was not, it was definitely not the time then. And, um, but that night, Shane Frazier, the next night, Shane Frazier came and delivered a testimony. It was so beautiful. And like Terry said, God's timing, right? Um, amen. 
And uh, so I just want to start, I'm going to go to my childhood. Um, I'm from Vicksburg, Mississippi. Y'all going to have to bear with me. I'm terrified up here. Okay. From, from Vicksburg, Mississippi, um, <clears throat> small family, my mother, my father, and my brother. I did not grow up in church, not at all. Um, my father's, my father's, my granddad, he's a Baptist preacher, go figure. But apparently my dad and him didn't get along so good. So all I ever heard was, you know, the, the typical hypocrites and this, that, and the other. And as we grew up, my dad, I don't want to get off on the wrong foot here. I'm not, this isn't, I'm not saying anything bad about my dad or anything that my childhood was horrible because it wasn't. Um, it wasn't great. I'm sure many of you had way harder childhoods than I did. But in my particular situation, it was like a split household. Me and my mother were very close. My brother was younger, so I felt more like his protector. But my dad was an, um, he was an alcoholic, and he, I believe he tried to love us, and he would just drink a lot. And when he drank, he became angry. Um, and that went on. That went on my whole life till you know, I got out of high school. And um, that being said, <clears throat> you know, he passed away this year um, at the beginning of the year. And our relationship, I'm not going to lie to you, it never got great. And we had a few conversations before he passed um, about, you know, whether he was saved or not. And a um, time or two he said yes, and a time or two he said no. Uh, so I don't know, but I hope and I pray that before he passed, he gave his life to Christ because uh, I think it'd be awfully cool to see him in heaven and as the father that God designed him to be. Um, amen. <laughs> but I'm going to fast forward to save you some time here through from about 18 to mid-30s. I mean, I was just, you know, the saying, I guess it's work hard, play hard kind of deal. Uh, work five days a week parties, you know, on the weekends, right? The whole deal, I had failed relationships. I had a beautiful son throughout the process. I don't believe I was ever faithful to a woman. Um, like I said, just I played real hard. And um, I wasn't a good father. My, not a good father. I wasn't like my dad. I didn't get angry or anything. But what I did do is I disappeared. Um, I knew what I was doing, uh, but I chose not to be my, I swore I'd never be my dad, right? I'm never going to do that, but I did something maybe in some people's eyes just as bad uh, by disappearing. But skip all them years because it's just, there's, I did nothing relevant in all those years to tell you about, just simply living worldly. In 2012 or so, I'm not too good with dates, um, I met that pretty gray-headed lady over there. <laughs> like I said, it's funny, though, because from, I'm from Vicksburg, and she's from Clinton, and somehow or another we met in Byram at Reed Pierce's. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know how that worked out, but, um, and, you know, we, for the first year or so, I wasn't looking for anything. Matter of fact, I told her right when I met her, I said, I ain't the one. <laughs> I said, I have not the one for you, but uh, something happened. You know how it is. And we started seeing each other. We started, I mean, I, mean, I think I fell in love pretty quick, and it was just different, y'all. And uh, I mean, even though our lifestyle was so worldly, y'all, it was just weekends and Wednesdays. 
because she lived in Clinton. I lived in Vicksburg. On Wednesday, she'd come over and we'd hang out. And then on the weekends, we spent the weekends and it was always just partying and whatnot. But I truly did love her. I just didn't know how to love her. Um, I did everything in my power to put her first. <clears throat> and uh, I, did, I know I loved her. I just didn't know how. And then I don't really remember the timeline, but maybe a year and a half, two years into our relationship, um, the drug use started. Uh, we were at a party, came in on some friends, and I had dabbled a bit, you know, throughout my life. Like I said, I, I mean, I partied pretty hard. But this time was different. I walked in on a few buddies and uh, walked up, you know, and we did it, and, and it was different, um, and it was meth. And it started out just like every other story you hear, right? I mean, it was a weekend thing. You know, we go party, go to the pool, we do it, and then you know how it goes. Doing it Saturday turns into doing it Sunday, and then, then I'm staying up five, six days a week. And it was just sad. And you hear people a lot of times say they don't really remember what happened or whatnot. It happened so fast. It's, that's not the case with me. I remember everything. It was almost like I was watching a bad movie and I didn't have any control over it. Um, and I just, and my dad struggled, like I told you, with alcoholism and addiction and whatnot, but I need to make something clear here. Um, I wasn't an alcoholic or an addict because of my dad. I was an addict because of being lost and made the choices that I made. I created an addiction in myself. As it spiraled out of control, and it did, it became a full-blown addiction. Um, and Ashley was with me every step of the way. Um, she tried to love me through this, and she did. I mean, she loved me. But I let her ride down, ride down that path with me. For her to love me, I, I think she felt like she had, had to do it with me. And then, you know what happened then? I'm trying not to cry on you guys. <laughs> but, amen. <laughs> hey, amen. Here's the deal though. And I, and I don't want Ashley will tell you herself, she was no saint, right? She made choices herself as long with that. Sorry about that. But when this full-blown addiction kicked in, right, here's, I stepped away from my daughters. I had two beautiful daughters, and I just disappeared out of their life to chase my addiction. Not only did I step out of their life, on one day we got, I didn't even have a phone anymore. I had lost everything, y'all. I lost my vehicles, my home, my phone. I didn't, I didn't have anything. And I stepped away from my girls, and then, the granddad of the children, they called Ashley on her phone to get a hold to me. And it was, it was obvious the path that I had gone down and he came to me and talked to me and he said, I need you to sign over the rights to the girls for the, um, so they could make medical decisions and whatnot because I was nowhere to be found. And you have to understand at the time, I really didn't think it was that bad of an idea because, I, like I said, I could see myself and I knew what I was doing. 
and I couldn't stop. And so it came to a point we met at the office and I started signing the paperwork over and I mean, tears were just pouring down. It's like I knew, but it got to the point where it said, you know, you write your name down, this, that, and you write your address and I didn't have anything to write. I was all the way homeless. I had lost my vehicles. It's one thing to be homeless. It's another thing to be homeless without a vehicle. <laughs> it's a different game. Y'all, I was, the depression and the, and the drugs, just, they just go hand in hand, and they did with me. I don't really know which one was worse at times. I know they coincided with each other, but I was so miserable. I was so violent. I hated myself throughout this. <clears throat> and I hated my eyes. <laughs> so, I was so, every day, Suicide crossed my mind every day, and I absolutely hated myself because in my mind, I didn't have the courage to end it. <clears throat> For years, y'all, I walked around. If we go into Vicksburg, I knew what I was doing. I, mean, I was looking at my shoes the whole time. I was so embarrassed. And it came a point to where I started making choices. Like I had convinced myself in my mind that at some point I was going to gain the courage and I wasn't going to have to face up to the consequences of my actions, if that makes any sense. So I started doing things and putting myself in situations that, first of all, I shouldn't have walked out of. And what breaks my heart even more than that is I put her in them too. You know, I've told my testimony before. When I got around to this part, I always said, man, you would not believe the dangerous people that we were hanging around. You wouldn't believe it. And then the Lord spoke to me one day and he said, you were him. And it just, it broke my heart. I could live with the things I did to myself. Like I said, I remember them. I wish I didn't, but I do. But thinking back of the danger that I put her in, and keeping her away from her family, all because she was trying to love me. <coughs> all right, Christmas Eve, 2017. Yeah. Worst day of my life. Also the best day of my life, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, we were, Christmas Eve, 2017, broke down in a parking lot in her vehicle. Shh. It was freezing, y'all. It was, I don't remember, it felt ridiculously cold. The car wouldn't run. We couldn't stay heated. <clears throat> and this happened, it stayed like for a day. And eventually the cops were like, <laughs> you know, something sketchy over here. And um, so the cops come up and I'm honestly thinking like, thank you. Because I, all I was thinking about at this time was I needed to get her home to her daughter. So all I was thinking, I was like, maybe the cops can help us out, this, that, and the other. And I wouldn't worry about drugs because we were out. So there was that. And, but when the cops came up, I was honestly like, please, you know, help. Maybe they can help get the gas. I mean, I didn't have any money, nothing. <clears throat> but then they, so they run our license, obviously, because I'm out there looking sketchy. And um, one of them came back and put my hands behind my back. And I was like, <laughs> like, what's going on? He said, you have a warrant out for your arrest. 
And I said, okay. And he said, it's from DeSoto County. That doesn't mean anything to anybody here, but to me it ripped my heart out of my chest because the only people I knew in DeSoto County was my family, my mom, my brother, and my stepdad. And I, I mean, I remember it so vividly. It was like, oh, what little life I had left in me just got ripped out. <laughs> and as if that wasn't enough, they run her license. And then they put her in handcuffs and said, you have a warrant out for your arrest, DeSoto County. So not only did I get me arrested, but I got the love of my life arrested too. <clears throat> going to jail really wasn't that bad of a place for me. I was so angry. I mean, I was so angry. Look, here's the deal. The things I did to my parents and whatnot, I did them. Like I was guilty of the crime that I got charged for, but my, my feeling of betrayal, even though it wasn't warranted, was, it was real. Like if that makes any sense. Like I know I did, it wasn't justified for me feeling the way I was feeling, but I did. And you couldn't tell me any different. Um, I love my mom and my brother more than anything. And then for that to happen, I just, it was over. So, so we get locked up. And um, like I said, it wasn't that bad of a place for me. I was angry. So, hey, if you want to fight in jail, it's pretty easy. <laughs> um, but then about a week into it, I realized... I had this woman guard. She was super sweet. And I said, will, will you please go check on Ashley? Ashley, you know, and I tell her. And the woman guard, she was so sweet. She'd come back later on the day and she said, yeah, she's there. She's doing good. And just that little peace of mind um, was good. And then she was off for a weekend or something and came back. And I asked her, I said, will you go check on Ashley, please? And she was so sweet. She did it and she came back. And she said, Ashley bonded out Saturday morning. And it was the first time I realized that, hey, I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and uh, and I, I mean, in one way I was happy she was out. You know, her family came and got her. And the other way, Ashley was everything to me at this time. So I thought, right, and, and then she's gone. And at this point I knew it was over. You know, when she left and, and I stayed in jail, I knew it was over, but... um. But God, <laughs> so I go by, you know, a month goes by, two months go by. And like I said, it's, I was, it really wasn't that bad of a place to me. I mean, I was angry, you know, fighting, whatnot. And then one day, one day we had a court date. So they come in here. Well, first, <laughs> it's kind of funny. After two months, they come in there and they holler, Lovins. And I said, you know, normally when they holler your name, it's for a pretty good reason. Normally you're like leaving or something. I know none of you fine folks have ever been locked up, but <laughs> normally when they holler your name out, it's nah, probably a pretty good thing. Well, they say, Lovins. I said, yeah. And he goes, congratulations, you're indigent. Nobody cares about you. I said, what is that? Look, I'm not the brightest guy, but I didn't know what indigent means. But in the jail, um, they have this little kiosk thing where you can, it's like a computer, I guess, on the wall. But I look it up, and one of the definitions of indigent was 
not having the monetary value of the common stamp or something to that effect. So basically, he came in and he gave me an extra roll of toilet paper and a stamped envelope. That's what I got for being indigent. But that same day, it's pretty cool, at a court appearance, they come in, they shackle me and hands and feet, and you get in this little line and you go in. And this is where my mind took a little turn, okay? I, was, I mean, I was dark, y'all. It was, it was pretty evil in there. But <clears throat> so we're walking, we're walking. We come to this pod, it's different. When pods there where we're locked up hold about, I don't know, 40 people or so, and they are slap full. And, uh, but this pod was different. It was the same size, but it only had 10 people in it or so, eight or 10. And uh, I'm looking, and they had a different color uniform on. We wore yellow. Um, I'll never wear yellow probably again. But, um, <laughs> but they wore, amen, they wore gray. And uh, on the back of their uh, jumpsuit, it said program. And I'm looking in, it's just a glass thing, and there's two older black gentlemen there, probably 60, 70 years old. And man, they're just hugging and smiling, and they're in a circle, right? Because one of the guys, we were waiting on one of the guys to come out to get in the line to go to court with us. And I was sitting there going, what is up? They're all smiling and hugging and laughing. And, and I had a flashback, right? That's pretty cool. Here's the deal. I had been to church a time or two with a Big O. Um, see, I used to use with Big O. He'll tell you the same thing. Uh, but here's the deal. That came a point where I didn't see Big O anymore in the circle, right? But he was constantly calling. I wasn't listening to him because I was still doing my thing. But I went one day. I went and I met him here. And the Terry, Terry was giving his testimony. It's the first time I've ever been in a church, right? <laughs> like at all. So I came here that day and it was pretty cool. As a matter of fact, I even walked down with Big O that day and prayed and everything. And uh, here's the sad part. I believe I was high when I did it. I believe I was high. I don't remember, but there's a good chance I was. But what, what I remember comparing that program to, to here was I remember when them, the guys used to stand right here, right? Y'all remember that? Guys used to stand up here and they huddle up and they'd pray. And I had a flashback and I was like, boom, boom. And I was like, man. So we go, we're getting, I just saw joy in that pod. In jail, I saw joy. And I was like, huh. So I started thinking, I was like, man, the only other place I've ever seen that was at that, that weird church where, yeah, <laughs> where they all used to hug on you all the time. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so anyway, we go to court, right? And they just keep pushing me back, pushing me back. I mean, I was just, I didn't have a lawyer or anything, just court appointed or whatnot. So they weren't worried about me. But anyway, I was kind of excited to get back and get on that little computer thing I was telling y'all about to see what this program thing was. So I look it up, and it, and it just says Christian-based program. Uh, that's all. And then here's a little application. So I sign up and send it to the chaplain. His name was Chaplain Pennington. And uh, he came back the next day and said, no. <laughs> I said, all right. He said, why? He said, you're, you know, you're not messed up enough, basically, is what he said. My crime wasn't sufficient for the program. Go figure. Uh. But uh, so I was like, all right. all right. But I got to thinking about it. next day, I fill out the application again. <laughs> he come back. 
He always called me by my wrong last. And I mean, he changed it about every time. Loveling or whatever. No. And I just kept doing it. And I think it went on probably eight or ten days or something. And finally he came in. Your lucky day. You know. You know, I'm tired of telling you no. So, so I got in there. And I, and I was just desperate, y'all. I don't even know. I mean, it wasn't really for the right reasons. Because at this point, I knew nothing about Jesus Christ. I mean, nothing. So... I'll tell you a little bit about his program, though, and this is, this is the way he ran it. And it's the only jail that I know of that had a 24-7. I mean, it was every day, every hour in the Word of God when you're awake, unless you're eating. And, um, but his program, this is his philosophy. It was basically that you come in the program, and he gave you some perks in there. Now, if you, like I said, I know you haven't been there, but if, if you're locked up, you don't, you don't get a coffee pot. <laughs> There's no coffee pots in jail. And... Uh, so he had a coffee pot in this program, which was pretty cool. A lot of people, I mean, that's winning right there in jail. But uh, also he had a, uh, a radio, he played gospel CDs, which, so that was another perk. And he didn't care if you were there for the wrong reasons. He didn't care at all. His philosophy was that to stay in there, and one other benefit, I told you it's a pot for 40, but only 10 people were in there at a time. Jail is loud. <laughs> It is loud all the time. So then you get an opportunity to go to this pod where there's only 10 people. It's super quiet. I mean, I'll tell you, it, it was amazing. But to stay in there, he has a, you have to do certain things. And they were, he give you these, I mean, they were basically like tests. And his philosophy was that if you, even if you're in there for the wrong reasons, if you have to do these tests, eventually his philosophy is eventually your head knowledge is going to turn into a heart knowledge and Jesus Christ is going to change your life through the word of God. He didn't believe in no steps or whatever. I mean, those are great if that's your thing. Um, it wasn't his. He simply believed that the word of God is the cure for everything. Amen. So we started doing it. And I'll be honest with you, the first probably week to 10 days, I was now, when I say I was ignorant, y'all, I was ignorant. The first day he said, turn to the gospels. And I said, what? I had no idea what he was talking about. I just opened the Bible to the beginning because I thought that's, I didn't know that, I didn't even know there was Old Testament, New Testament, y'all. That's how ignorant I was. But we started doing these tests and I started doing, you know, we wake up at four, oh, here's another thing. If anybody ever wants to know how I learned to get up at 4.30 in the morning, it's this program. He flipped the lights, came on at 4.30 in the morning. The rest of the jail came on at 6, but our pie came on at 4.30 in the morning and we had to study and then we had a test at 7.30, then we ate breakfast and then we had a test at 1, then we had a test at 7. So it was just every day like that. But I started reading, y'all, and I wasn't there for the, it wasn't really the right reasons at first. I was like, I just don't like to suck at anything, so I wanted to, like, I didn't want to suck. So... <laughs> So I wanted to just read and do this and this, and I started, you know, filling it out. But at some point, it went from here to here, and I started reading about this Jesus that, <laughs> y'all, I could be a new creation. And I was like, that was the first verse that ever just wrapped me up. <clears throat> and it told me that the old things were gone, Right? And I started reading verses and like, I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, you know, but Christ lives in me, y'all. 
and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I was like, I was like, he's talking about me. Me, y'all. He was talking about me. And I started reading, y'all, and I started reading, and all of a sudden I started to have this hope, right, that I've never felt before. I'd always felt alone. And then I started like studying these scriptures, started reading about the 99, you know, and he came from me. And it was just so personal. It became so personal to me. And as I was doing this and reading all these scriptures and, and I was gaining hope, um, oh, dude, I was getting excited, right? <laughs> I was like, I can start over. Not only does he love me, he don't even remember anything I did. Like all that stuff I did, he, it's gone. <laughs> and it was the best news I'd ever heard, y'all. And um, I'm sitting there and I'm studying and I'm studying. And I started to have, I think it's Romans 5, 5. Talking about hope, right? And not only that, I could have hope a little bit earlier. It talks about you can glory in tribulation, right? And I was like, goodness gracious. <laughs> you mean to tell me I can be happy and, you know, in here I can be happy? So all these scriptures started coming to life, right? And, it, and time goes by, time goes by. It was getting close to my release date. And I'm talking to the chaplain. Yeah, this man did it for free. He was there every day doing this for free. He was retired. He was an old military guy. He'd show up every day with his old preacher voice. Good God. And all, all that stuff. But, uh, but man, uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny, but I liked it. But he had a heart of gold, y'all. I mean, just to do all that and... Um, He didn't give up on us, you know. I miss him. <laughs> he saved my life. I don't know if he knows it. Um, but anyway, it was getting close to me getting out. So I thought um, we'd do the program. And at some point, you know, you do all these tests, and it's a 12-week program or whatnot. And I'd been there long enough to graduate, and I graduate, and then I had a court date I didn't know about come up and uh, so I go to the court date and they're like all right you're getting out tomorrow I'm like I'll bet that's great (laughs) you know I was super excited I was like man I'm gonna get out here I'm different y'all I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna go and I just I just wanted to you know how it is you just want to show everybody right and um now, now mind you I've been in there a good little while I hadn't heard from anybody, right? I never got a phone call or a letter or anything like that. So I really, thinking back on it, I don't know why I was so excited to get out, but uh, <laughs> um, anyway, I did. The next day I get out, you know, love me and Chaplain Pennington cried and all that good stuff. Well, I go out and uh, I told y'all how cold it was in December when I got arrested on Christmas Eve. Well, it was middle of summer when I got out. Well, I got arrested in thermals. <laughs> they give you what you came in. <laughs> so it's 101, right? And, I'm, and they open the doors. And I remember it plain as day. There's three of us, me and three other people, two girls and one guy. Well, they give you, and they give you one cigarette when you leave. <laughs> I don't know, right? But... Um, and that's what I had. It was all my Bibles. Now, look, I had a box full of chaplain that got me a bunch of Bibles and all my tests and paperwork and all this. This big old box. It was heavy, too. 
But they let us out, and, you know, the girl runs over there and goes in her car. The guy, he was actually having an argument, but somebody was there to pick him up. And there was another girl that didn't have anybody there with her. And when I walked out and realized there was nobody there for me either, um, you know, it was, it was kind of disheartening. But so I just start walking. I got my big, I don't know, 50-pound box, and, you know, she's going. And she was an addict, obviously. She was like, there's this house around the corner. You know, you're welcome to come there. I was like, now I think I'm going to pass on that, you know. So I start walking. Now, I'm not from DeSoto County. I'm from Vicksburg, like I said. So I didn't know where I was. I didn't know anybody around. The only people I knew in the county was my mom, my dad, or my stepdad, and my brother. Well, they're the ones that pressed the charges on me. So legally, I couldn't even contact them. Uh, So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. So I just walked. (laughs) I can only imagine what I looked like wearing thermals at 101. I mean, it was pretty obvious I just got out of, out of jail. <laughs> there weren't people just running over to help me. But I walk and I walk and I walk. And this went on for hours. Hours. And I was, look, I was, I was, I was fighting with God by this point. I was like, God, I, you know, I did this. And you know how we do. I did this. I did this. And look, now I get out and. I have nowhere to go. What am I supposed to do? You know? And the only number I had was Chaplain Pennington, the guy. And I called, went to his voicemail. I left a message. By this point, I was about five miles from the jail at a Walmart. I said, I, I'm, the only thing I know is I'm around a Walmart. I'm, I need help. That's all I said. So I walk around for a little while. Sorry. And all I hear, I guess it's probably about an hour after that, I hear leveling. You know, he kept saying my name wrong. <laughs> but he pulled up and I, and, he, and I just started crying. I got in the car. He takes me to a hotel. He spends his own money to get a hotel room. You know. He said, call your mom. I said, I can't call my mom. <laughs> They put me in here. I can't call my mom. (laughs) He said, call your mom. I told him no again. He said, call your mom. (laughs) And um, so I called my mom. Now, mind you, my mom was my, I mean, she was my rock my whole life. And when she answered the phone and I said, mom, and I could hear just like the blood just cry, I instantly knew how it broke her heart to do what she did. Like I knew, all that anger that I had towards her instantly, I ain't going to say went away, but it, it, it went away a good bit. And uh, so I talked to her, and it was good. And she put me up in a hotel for a few more days. Now, mind you, me and her husband, stepdad at the time, great man, but we, uh, we couldn't be around each other. There was, just, there was just no way at that time. It was not going to end well. And she knew that. So I couldn't go there. But the only person she really knew in my line of people that I knew that had changed his life at this point was uh, Brad Orman, big O. And uh, she called me. She called him. And uh, he drove from Terry, Mississippi to... Now, now, mind you, the last time I talked to Big O, I cussed him for everything he was worth. 
because he was trying to help me and I wasn't accepting it. You know how we do. And uh, he came and got me. And one thing I didn't mention, (laughs) when I went to court and got released, you know how God will, you hear all these stories, right, about God and uh, how people's charges just kind of dismissed or went away and this, that, and the other. That's not me. (laughs) That's not this story. I got the absolute max. I got 10 years probation and, um, and I'm a felon and that's okay uh, for now. That might change in the future. But anyway, Big O came and got me. I didn't want to miss that. <clears throat> and we go and look, Big O and Brooke and their son Cooper, I don't, I'm sure Cooper's down there or whatnot. I owe them a lot because I was a grown man, 38 years of age or so, and I had nowhere to go. I didn't have not one dollar to my name. If, if they wouldn't have came and got me, I really don't, don't I have no idea what would have happened. But anyway, they did. Amen. Praise God. But I went and they take me into their family. And, and Cooper had a big say with this because they talked to him. And Cooper, I mean, I don't remember how old he was, but he was probably 14 or somewhere around there, I guess. Um, he said, yeah, bring him in, you know, let's help him. Because if Cooper would have said no, it wasn't going to happen. So I owe that little kid a lot. Um, but I was staying with them, right, and everything was good. I started coming to church, right, and uh, I started learning and really digging into the Word, and I loved it, y'all. I love the Word of God. But I was staying with them, and everything was going okay, but I was still... Um, I was still kind of lonely. I didn't like, not to sound like a little, I missed Ashley. <laughs> I missed her pretty bad. And uh, man, I remember just laying in the bed over there at Brad and Brooks going, God, God, please. I'm different. Give me my girl. I said, please. I mean, I was pleading y'all, begging God to give me another chance with Ashley. And this, this went on for a good little while. <laughs> And finally, one night, it was a Saturday night. I remember it plain as day. Now, I've never heard God's voice audibly. For y'all that have, I'm jealous. Um, I've never heard it like that. But I heard it as plain as day. He said, I'm enough. He said, I'm enough. And I just felt it. And I went to sleep that night on a Saturday night with all the peace in my heart. And uh, now, I still wanted her. (laughs) I still wanted her, but I had peace that he was enough. Now, the next day we get up, we're coming into church, and y'all, right out there, some, right near that cross out front there, I got to reconnect with Ashley, and that's where we started our relationship back, was right here in this church. But now that we were uh, talking again, and <clears throat> I was different. I think she, she, she knew that I was different. And uh, <laughs> she's going to, y- y'all are going to think this is a lie. I wasn't really going to talk about this, but oh. I don't know how to word it yet. She may know where I'm going with it. <laughs> um, as a, you know, the Bible says like Adam knew Eve or whatnot. <laughs> we knew each other. <laughs> Right? (laughs) 
Well, anyway, we, we start dating. I, I guess you call it dating or rekindling or whatnot. We're starting our new life in Christ. And uh, when, we first, when I finally started, you know, going out on dates and stuff, I told her no. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, y'all think I, y'all probably think I'm lying, but it was the truth. <laughs> and uh, anyway, she wasn't having that too good for a little while, but... We move on anyway. Christ will change is all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, it came to a point to where, you know, we're, we're dating slowly, right? Where it's just literally just hanging out a little bit here and there. And it came to a point to where I said, I'd been working, you know, a little bit. And uh, <laughs> I don't know where he is or if he's in here or not, but the Lord put Percy Joe Ernest Barentine. Is he in here? Oh, I see you over there. Anyways, me and him started working together, and what a blessing he is, y'all. And um, it's hard to complain about hurting when you work with a guy that has Parkinson's and just whooping on it, you know. But uh, it came to a point, we had been working for a while, and I came to a point, I had to move out of the trailer, you know, with Brad and Brooke, right? I had to start my life. So we started praying about where to go, and Lord has a sense of humor sometimes. What came available was that trailer right on the other side of Ridge Kids, right over there, 15 yards from the church, right? God put me right there. I was like, okay, I know where I need to be. But uh, things are going well. Um, October 14, 2018, I want to stop here for a minute. Um, we had that outdoor baptism at Cleary. And, uh, you know, I told you I walked down the aisle, right? Um, with Big O, and I told you I was probably high when I did it. And then in jail, it's like where I really felt like I surrendered to Christ, you know, in there, but there was never like a formal deal. So I was battling with this, Terry popped me, and I remember we were all standing in that circle at Cleary, and Terry pops you with that, you can't be saved twice, but you must be saved once. And, uh, you know, I just had all this weight on my shoulders about not, I mean, I was like, because it was bothering me, I was like, man, I'm pretty sure I'm saved, <laughs> you know? And I, but it was, it was wearing me down. And I just remember sitting there on the bank, me and God together. And I said, God, I don't even know what I'm praying for right now. I said, God, if I love you. I think, I think, and I'm just talking to you like I talk to anybody. I think I'm saved. I don't really know what I'm doing right now, but God, if I am not, I need to be saved now. I need to set it free in my heart. And I need to release this weight off of me. And it was just, and that was just between me and God. And it was like, so I don't know if I got saved when I walked down here. I don't know if I was saved in jail, but I know I'm saved. And uh, <laughs> y'all, if you're carrying that weight on your shoulders, of not knowing, if you don't know that you know that you know, or if you know you're saved and you have not been walking with God, I beg and I plead with you, please quit doing that to yourself. Please quit doing that to yourself. I remember after that, I'm telling y'all, it was like, I'm a big dude. I felt so light after that. And we went and we got into the lake or whatever. I remember going under, um, I really think I had my eyes open. I don't know, but it felt like a little short little baptism. I swear it felt like it was like a minute long. And I remember just, I don't know, it felt like my eyes were open. I don't know why I would open my eyes underwater, but and it was just so slow and it was so freeing when I came up. And 
If you haven't experienced that, goodness, I pray, I pray you do. Please do it. I say all that to say this. We have such a good God, y'all. I, I could sit up here and talk about the blessings that he's bestowed upon me. I'm telling you. <laughs> I have a dog. <laughs> if y'all know me, you know I love my gypsy. <laughs> and look, I, um, it's so cool, y'all. Tuesdays are kind of cool. Or they were kind of cool this past year. I told y'all I got probation. This is how a lot of Tuesdays went for me. You know, we always do our men's breakfast down the street, right? Well, Tuesday morning I had to meet, on Tuesdays I had to go to probation. So I go to probation. It, it was pretty neat, you know, after a long time going, you get to meet a lot of people. I even saw a few church members in there. Pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> But, so, <laughs> we do that, and then I'd finish Tuesday evenings off at a deacon meeting. <laughs> so, that's pretty cool, right? You see the past and the present, but uh, so blessed. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I was a thief. I made mistakes. I was lost. Right now. We have a pod at the Rankin County Jail, pod 324. They're praying for me and Ashley and they're praying for everybody in here right now. They've been messaging me throughout the day. Um, we gotta quit giving up on people. Can I piggyback on your, I hate a, or the thief? You know, you know them Facebook memories, right? They pop up on, sometimes they're downright disheartening when you look back. Um, I said that in 2011, I think it was, it popped up not too long ago and I had posted on there, I hate a thief, I wish you'd be hung. And this, I mean, it was horrible, horrible what I said, broke my heart. What if y'all, <clears throat> I'm not preaching it y'all, I'm just asking you. Say for instance, we see something on social media. What if we pray for them right now? And look, I'm not saying pray for them not to get caught or face consequences. Yes, pray that they get caught. But why can't we, is Scott Frazier in here? Why can't we pray for someone like Scott Frazier to catch that guy and present the gospel to him right then and there and change his life instead of just locking him up, right? I mean, I pray for these guys. We gotta quit giving up on them. And all those people, y'all, I told you I signed my, just a few more blessings and I'm gonna get out of your hair. I completely, for a couple of years, I had zero relationship with my daughters, zero. And, and I didn't deserve it to have any. <laughs> Y'all, the word restore don't even feel like it does justice. Our relationship is so far beyond better than it ever was. They tell me they love me again. <laughs> I'm going to finish off with my wife. <laughs> I let her down some dark paths, y'all. It's quite different now. You know, back then I tried to make her, she knows without a doubt now, she will never be first in my life. She knows it. 
And that, I think that's what gives her the confidence to allow me to lead, to prayerfully lead her. She supports me. She stands by me, y'all. She prays for me. Anyway, I love her. Thank y'all for listening to me. Amen. Hallelujah. That is what Jesus can do. Uh, I remember walking through some of those seasons with Quentin and him, him coming to me and saying, let's pray for this. Uh, let's, pray for, let's pray for God to put me and Ashley back together. Let's pray that, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen, but let's pray that I can talk to my daughters again. And, and uh, we, we were talking earlier today, everything that he prayed for, everything that he asked God for, uh, God restored more than what he could have ever dreamed. And uh, I'm so thankful that God is a God who sees us where we are, loves us where we are, and chases after us. And uh, tonight I want to just read a couple of verses, then we're going to close in prayer, okay? So let me just read. You don't turn there. You just listen with me, okay? In the book of Colossians, uh, Paul talks about what Jesus has done for the believer, okay? And I'm just going to read through those, and then we're going to pray, all right? Let's let the Word do the work. Listen to what he says. He says that we would give thanks to the Father who qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. That he has delivered us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created through him, listen, and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things Jesus may have the preeminence. Now listen closely. Here's where I'm going to close. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. And by him, so it pleased God that in Jesus, all the fullness of God dwelt. And it pleased the Father that by Jesus, he would reconcile all things to himself. By Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, how did he do it? Listen close. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once aliens and enemies in your mind by wicked works... He has now reconciled. Let's pause for just a moment of prayer. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? I'd like to say to you tonight that there is hope for the hopeless, that no matter where you may find yourself, where you have been or what you have done, it pleased the Father that in Jesus was the fullness of God. And it pleased the Father that through Jesus, he would reconcile. Now listen to this word. The word reconcile means to take something that is not in right relationship and adjust it to right, perfect relationship. And Quentin has told you a testimony of Jesus taking a soul that God loved desperately who was not in right relationship and adjusting, bringing him into right relationship with the Father. Jesus did that through the death on the cross, through the power of the resurrection, and through Quentin saying, Lord Jesus, I want you to come be Lord of my life reconciled.
right with God. But listen, he didn't stop there. God reconciled Quentin to himself through Jesus' death and resurrection, but also he reconciled to him Ashley, he reconciled to him his daughters, he reconciled to him his mama. Oh, he's brought all kinds of reconciliation into his life, into my life. He mentioned Shane Fraser. I could mention name after name all in this room right now and countless others that I know personally who aren't in this room. And I want to say to you tonight that I'm not presenting to you the gospel of religion or the gospel of going to church or the gospel of doing good deeds or the gospel of finding 12 steps or 10 steps or 10 thoughts to the best you now. I'm talking about a personal Savior. His name is Jesus. And he willingly left heaven in all its glory and all the praise that he received in eternity before the creation of earth and man and he came down and took on the form of a bondservant, God in flesh. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The joy of redeemed, reconciled lives like Quentin Lovins, Terry Fan. If you've been born again, you put your name in the blank. If you've not yet invited Christ to be Lord of your life, if you've not yet trusted him with your salvation, I'm like Quentin, I beg you, I beg you, don't leave this place tonight. Don't, don't, don't scroll on down on Facebook. Don't change the channel. Don't stop the podcast. I beg you right now in Jesus' name, if the Spirit of God is stirring in your heart, wouldn't you receive the hope that's found in the forgiveness and the reconciliation that is the Savior, Jesus Christ? If you would only trust him if you'd only believe in his death and resurrection in such a way that you'd be willing to turn away from you being the boss of you and you taking your life and placing it in his hand and inviting Jesus to come and not be co-pilot but to come and be Lord and lead you into peace and joy and purpose he'll do it that's his promise now, I just want to just say tonight, if you're here and you've never been born again, you're not certain that you've been born again, I encourage you right now, you don't have to come down an aisle. You don't have to come shake my hand or hug my neck. Uh, you can do that in a moment if you'd like to. But I'm telling you, the only hope you have of being right with God is you coming to the Father through Jesus the Son. Not me, not coming down an aisle, not going to church, not giving all your money away to the poor, but by you turning from you being the boss and turning your life over to Jesus. You can do it right now. You don't have to wait another moment. You don't have to wonder if you've gone too far. You don't have to consider in your mind or ponder that you've sinned too much that the blood of Christ can't wash you clean. If you'd simply trust him tonight, he'd save you. And you'd be part of his family and you'd begin to understand what it means to be transformed. So we're going to just pray for a moment. And I'm going to say the altar's open in case there's somebody out there that might want to just come and pray. I don't know. Maybe there's a brother or sister out there that just feels compelled of the Holy Spirit to come down and pray for somebody who's hurting tonight, someone who's lost hope tonight, somebody who's struggling with an addiction tonight, somebody who's struggling with religion tonight, somebody who's struggling with hurt from the past. Maybe you just get up out of your chair and come down, just you and the king, and meet with him, just you and him, and talk to him on somebody else's behalf. Let's just take a moment and pray together. Can we do that? Would you pray for the people around you and people still getting up out of their chairs and coming down to this altar? What a sweet place to meet with the Lord. 
Maybe there's somebody heavy on your heart, somebody in that far off country, somebody who's living like Terry used to live or like Quentin used to live. And you've given up on them and you've believed the lie that they can never be changed and never be different. And God's brought you here tonight to remind you, don't you give up on them. You pray for them. You continue to reach out to them. You believe that the same God who's transformed my life, Quentin's life, and yours if you're born again, he can transform their lives. Give them purpose for living. I wish unto God I could explain to you the joy that I have knowing him. So we're going to just wait just a moment, okay, in this space right here, not rush out. Now what I want to do is these are praying, and there are people all across this front who are praying right now. And I'm going to ask them not just to pray for the people in the room, but I'm going to ask them to pray for the people who are listening online somewhere else tonight who are hurting, who, who maybe are listening to the enemy, maybe telling them they've got to be in a church building in order to be saved. I wish you'd pray against that. And that wherever they are driving their car down the road, they would just invite Jesus to be Lord. And I'm going to ask these that are at the altar that are praying now that if you'd also not just pray for those who are listening online, but that you tonight would pray for those who will be listening to a podcast, maybe even years from now. And you'd pray right now that God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit would reach down, touch their life, and they would invite Jesus to be Lord. Find forgiveness and freedom and restoration. Now, if you're here tonight, nobody's looking around, and I'm not going to, y'all, you've been here enough, you know I don't play games, and I don't trick, and I don't come find people, but I do like to know if I need to pray specifically. And so tonight, if you're here, and you're just not certain that you've ever been born again, or you know that you haven't, I'm not going to come find you, I'm not going to try to convince you, but I just want to know if there's somebody in this place that I need to be praying for. If you're here tonight, you're not certain, or you know for sure that you never have really, truly surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just slip your hand up and hold it up for just a second so that I know that there's somebody in here. I see you there. Any others, just slip your hand right up so I'll know how to pray. I'm not going to come find you. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I see you there. So, Lord, I pray for those tonight who just aren't certain or who maybe never have. Father, make it clear one way or the other and help the person right now who's struggling with surrendering to you open the eyes of their heart, grant them repentance and faith. And Lord, I pray tonight they would turn away from their ways and turn to you. So Father, I pray your Holy Spirit have freedom to move. Somebody in that far off country who's drifted far from your heart, Lord, I pray that tonight you draw them home. Somebody tonight whose relationship with their parent or their best friend or their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend, God is... In disarray, I pray that you'd bring restoration in Jesus' name. So, Lord, simply put, have your way tonight. And I pray you do whatever you want to do. I'm going to invite you out there to stand to your feet with your head bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. Would you do that with me? Just those who are in your chair out there, would you just stand up and continue to pray? Let's just sit here and continue to pray for a moment. Will you pray that the Spirit have freedom? Will you pray for the person who here needs to be born again, the person who's in the far off country needs to come home, the relationship needs to be restored, the somebody who's given up on somebody that they would believe again, Jesus can do a great work in their life. Gerald's down front. He's waiting tonight. I'll be down just a moment. There's a prayer need in your life. If you've invited Jesus to be Lord, if you're listening online and tonight you've made Christ Lord of your life, would you put that in the comments so I can reach out to you and pray with you and find out how and where you are so we can help next steps of discipleship. So, Lord, tonight we celebrate a life that's been redeemed, and it all points to Jesus, not Quentin or not me or any other person. We pray tonight there'd be somebody else rescued. We pray tonight somebody else would find freedom and forgiveness. We pray somebody else would find restoration. 
and they'd find it in the only place it can be found, and that is in Jesus Christ, your son. And it's in his name that we pray. And all the people of God said together, amen.